Amen. How many know that that is true of our God? We can try to choose to have Him be the king over sin, death, and the grave, but to have Him be king over everything costs us something. Amen? Because He has conquered all that, He is to be first in every area of our life. I'm excited as we continue in the series we started last week on Celebration and Connection. We looked at a a simple two-part strategy that I believe God has given to us to help us make sure every person who walks on our campus, whether North Campus or South Campus, understands what we're asking them to do. It's just two things. Now, the Lord will lay things on our heart beyond that, but to celebrate Him together and to connect with God and one another's better. Last week we looked at celebrating God and giving Him praise and glory. And and what that does when we do that is a community of faith together. Today I want us to take a little bit of review of what we saw last week. If you're looking at your outline, it's there in front of you. Here at Grace Point, there are two key opportunities for us to celebrate God's presence. Now these aren't the only places, but these are two key areas. And we want you to choose one of them. If you choose more than that, that's between you and God, but, but choose one of them. First, 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. I'm thrilled to say 100% of you have chosen to do that today. The second is 1045, whether it's at North Campus or South Campus. These are corporate worship opportunities that are so important for us as a body of believers. At Grace Point, we celebrate big on the weekend here on Sunday, celebrate who God is, what He's done in our life. He has so many things for us. It demands our praise. Praise does something to us. When I begin to give God glory for who He is, it begins to make the issues that I face come into perspective. At Grace Point, we not only celebrate big on the weekend, we connect small on Sunday and throughout the week. And our groups and our classes and our Bible studies that happen on Sunday morning, some on Sunday night, some on Thursday morning, some every day of the week, we connect in those smaller gatherings to learn from God in each other, to care for each other, and to serve somebody besides ourselves. That's the next line there. At Grace Point, our connection groups and classes and Bible studies have three common goals. Caring for each other, learning from God's Word in each other, and serving somebody besides ourselves. I want to take the balance of our time this morning and, and focus on caring for one another. As Americans, we idolize independence. In America, we have a declaration of independence. And this is good. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's almost as if we worship independence. From the time of being a young child, as soon as we can tie our own shoes, we can say, I can do it myself. And our house, with each new stage, with our daughter Caden, when she can do something on her own, she celebrates that. And to some degree, we celebrate that too. We like songs in our culture that celebrate this independence. I've got to be me. I I did it my way. I don't want anybody to tell me how to do what it is that I have determined best for my life. We bought into a myth that says the key to happiness is independence. Relational independence. Financial independence. Independence in every area of our life. That's what leads to happiness, we believe. Yet every year, depression seems to be on the rise. When independence is raising just as high. So it's obviously not true that the more independent I am, the more self-sufficient I am, the happier I become. In fact, God's Word tells us that it's not independence that brings happiness, it's interdependence that brings happiness. We are designed to 
be together. We belong together in a community. I want to share with you this morning a message entitled, You and I are hardwired for community, looking at connection through caring. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 is going to be key to us. There's going to be a, a bunch of scriptures today that will help us see that this is not just good ideas, these are God ideas. And, and I want you to try to follow along with me. You may be able to flip through your sword, through your Bible fast enough. Many of them are put in your outline for you in case turning to them is not uh, something that you can do quick enough. But the reason they're there, they're not an afterthought. It's the actual authority, the source of what we're building this on. I want you to see with your own eyes that these are God's words, not man's words. Romans 12, verse 5 says, Christ makes us one body connected to each other. This idea of connection and connecting to each other and caring for each other, it's not just a a good slogan or a part of a strategy that somebody came up with. I believe this is God's very direction. It's God's idea. You and I, we desperately need each other. God tells us that community, it's not optional. This isn't just for those who desire it. This is a command for every believer. Now, you may not feel like it. You may not say, well, I really need someone in my life. You may feel like you're doing fine on your own, but hear me. The truth is that you have absolute no ability on your own to fulfill what God is calling you to do in your life by yourself. No ability. You cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. There's no way because God has designed you to be in the context of community with other believers. Connection is not just joining a club. It's not just getting a membership card. It's not just joining a list of enrollees in some kind of gathering. It's more than that. Jot this down. When we generally connect with God in each other, we care for one another. Now, in the context of using this word caring for somebody, I think it would be wise for us to define what it is I mean by caring for somebody. I don't mean just some kind of uh, nonchalant, I kind of hope that you're doing good. I just, how, how you doing? I, I hope that you're doing okay. I just kind of care for you. I just flippantly, kind of almost carelessly say, I just... Hope you had a good week. Kind of glad you didn't get hit by a truck this week, Kitty. That's good. I mean, that's friendly. That's nice. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's maybe more hospitality, greeting, or just kind of being friendly to somebody. But, but caring for each other in biblical community is very different than that. It's not whimsical. It's not flippant. It's not passive. It's active. It's intentional. To genuinely care for someone is to love them with your life. Now, that's an easy phrase to say, but it's much more costly to do. What would it look like for you to love somebody in this room with your life? Not your spare time. Not just the excess of what you have, but with the very core of who you are. That's a hard thing, but it's a very important thing. In fact, I would argue that this is what matters most. Jot that down. Number one, what matters most 1 Corinthians 13.3 tells us, No matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I am bankrupt without love. The paraphrase puts it. Everything else in life pales in comparison to the priority of loving, of caring for another believer in Jesus. It doesn't matter what you believe if you don't love. It doesn't matter what you have done with your life if you don't love. It doesn't matter what you say or don't say if you don't love. It doesn't matter what your intentions are, what you intend to do, if you don't love. 
John 13.35 tells us, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, we're hard-pressed, I believe, in Scripture to find more than three places that tell us to pray for the conversion of sinners. I found like two and a half. If you find more than that, bring it to me. Show me where, where Scripture tells us to pray for the conversion of sinners. But the Bible is littered with places all over the place that tells us to love for one another, to pray for one another, to lift each other up. So that means we shouldn't pray for people to get saved? No, that's not what it means. Of course we should pray for people to be saved. But what it's telling us is, when you and I love each other with the love of Jesus, when we care for each other in the context of committed community, a watching world will look at that and we will be known by the way we love each other. Not just be famous for how congenial we are, famous for how much we can agree on what color carpet to have or what color tile to have in the gym or something like that. No, we will be known... As the disciples of Jesus Christ, as people who follow Jesus, they'll be able to say, the way you're acting, the way you're loving, that's kind of like that Jesus thing. I want to ask you this question. When was the last time that somebody noticed that you were a disciple of Jesus Christ by the way you loved and you cared for another Christian brother or sister? See, God created you and I to love one another. It's not just something we do on the sidelines. It's a part of the very DNA, the fabric of who we are. I can't tell you how key this is for us. I can't stress it enough. You will never live life to the fullest until you care for another brother or sister in Christ and allow them to care for you in a context of committed community. To love someone with your life is not only hard, but it's the most fulfilling thing that we can do as Christians. Here's another question. Are relationships your first priority? Or is achievement your first priority? Well, I'm asking myself the same question. Now think about it. What's the first priority when you think about how you order your day and your steps? You say, well, well Pastor Brady, we just got done with the series. I'm putting God first, so God's going to be my first priority. Okay, good. Now what comes after that? God, you're first. Now my career, now advancing, now that promotion, now that strategy. Is it my comfort? Is it my achievement? Is it my desire to get my own way? Or is there any aspect of relationship with God and with someone else being a priority in your life? It's not just a personality type that's outgoing, but it's a priority of loving people. I think I've shared before, but um, I think it bears repeating. I want to make sure we get this drilled into our head. This is not about your personality type. You may be like my wife, Carrie, who her energy tank is filled by being with groups of people. I mean, it just fills her up, fills her up, fills her up. If we're away for a while and she doesn't have anybody to be with but me, her tank starts to get a little bit lower. Now, she loves me, I believe, and I love her, but she's got to have a party. And friends, I need you to party with her. Because if you don't party with her, there's a lot of expectation on me. Well, I'm kind of weird the other way. I love being with you. I love being with people. But, but I have to get alone with God. I have to have some time of solitude to fill up my tank to be with people. That's a personality difference. That has nothing to do with what it is that this 
message is talking about what God's Word is saying to us. Whether you draw energy from groups of people or you get in solitude to have energy to be with groups of people, is that's a personality thing. But what's a God thing is He has wired me and Carrie both to live in the context of sharing our life with somebody. What is it for you? The Bible is very clear about this. I cannot grow without other people in my life. Why? Because life is about relationships. It's not about achievements. God is love and he wants us to learn to love him and to love others with his love. Those are the two greatest commandments that he's given to us. That's over here on your left. It's very intentional that for many years in our church, these two very key passages are right before us. I hope that you don't come into worship and just like forget that they're there. This is a part of what every Bible-believing church needs to embrace. Ephesians 4 tells us, each part, this is talking about the body of Christ, does its work and helps the other parts grow. So Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. In other words, this is what God wants our life to be. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to continue to grow and to be full of love. Friends, that's my prayer for you as your pastor. There's only one way I believe that we can do that. We have got to get with each other. We've got to get with other Christians to walk through life together. I wish the Lord would empower me to say it more clearly, but as clearly as I know how to say it, you and I cannot learn community without being committed to the context of community. It's not in a crowd this size, though this is good, this is a part of worship. We need to be in smaller gatherings where we're committed to each other. That's why I'm asking every single person here at Grace Point, 100%, I know that seems strange to ask for 100%, I'm asking for 100% of us to not only celebrate in the weekend like this, but to find a group or a class that you can connect in that will embrace the core values of caring for each other, learning from God's Word, and serving somebody beside yourself. Those little circles you see up there in the background of that slide. When we have caring for each other, learning from God's Word, and serving somebody besides ourselves, where they intersect, that little triangle place in the, in the middle there, that is fertile ground for you and I to become more like Christ. It's not foolproof. You can do this and still be disobedient. But it's hard. You've got to work at it. Because if you're really committed to community and you're caring for somebody else in the context of community, God begins to do some things in your heart. He begins to say, hey, it's not just about you. It's not just about what you want. It's not just about what you prefer. It's not just about your schedule. It's about somebody else that he is calling you to support, to hold accountable, to love on, and to encourage. You can't learn community without being in community. You say, well, well, Brady, you get kind of excited about that, but isn't that kind of obvious? Well, duh, I think it's obvious. But I don't know if we get it. Because it's so easy to come into a great church like Grace Point and to find a corporate gathering like Sunday morning at 9 or Sunday morning at 1045 or even Sunday night at 6 o'clock and, and sit there and soak it in and, and have a few conversations and go home and say, man, that was good. It was good, but it's only part of what God wants for us. He wants you to do life with somebody, to share your life with somebody, and you can begin to see as he grows you into a disciple what he wants to do in our midst. Not only is it what matters most? Number two, jot this down. I think it's because we need a place to belong. 
I've shared with a few of you the illustration, but I want to share again. How many have seen the redwood trees out in California, whether it's on like Discovery Channel or you've been there yourself? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's these huge, massive trees that go up hundreds of feet tall. They've been around for many, 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 many years. And you would think because they're so tall that their root system would go super deep into the ground. I mean, you could think that, but you'd be, you'd be wrong. Because compared to how tall these trees are, their roots are very shallow. But their strength comes because they grow up in groves, and one tree's root system intertwines with the next tree's root system, and then the next, and then the next, and pretty soon it's this whole network of strength and foundation that keeps them strong in the wind. Every now and then you'll find one of the redwood trees have toppled over, and almost always, it's a redwood tree that has sprouted up apart from the grove, apart from that support structure. God has wired you and I that way. That we are to have the support of being intertwined with our roots, with one another, and allowing the strength to come to help us withstand the storms of life. Well, well, Brady, you're saying that if I'm not in a class or I'm not in a group, then I can't be a Christian? No, I'm not saying that. But why would you want to do it any other way? Why would you want to be isolated by yourself? Why would you want to take on the storms of life by yourself? Well, that's why I came here at 9 o'clock to do it with somebody else. That's good, but look around. There's too many of us in this room. We've passed the growth spot decades ago where we could, in corporate worship on Sunday morning, provide that one-on-one accountability. And we're thrilled about growing. If that's ever crossed your mind, well, this church is so big, how big should this church be? As long as there's one person in Fort Wayne that doesn't know Jesus, our church is too small. I need you to hear it again. As long as there is one person in Fort Wayne that doesn't know Jesus, our church is too small. I don't care what kind of statistical chart we find ourselves on. That's not what gets me excited. It gets me excited about seeing people who find a home in Jesus. But just sitting in a corporate large group setting doesn't do it. We need to have connection with one another. Ephesians 2.19 says, You are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's house with every other Christian. This is calling to us, it's, it's saying to us, you are called to belong, not just believe. You're called to belong, not just believe. God never asked us to serve Him all by ourselves. God called you to be a part of His body. God tells us, why we're supposed to belong together. One of the things is we work together better. Listen, as I read Ecclesiastes 4, a portion there, two people are better than one because they get more done when they work together. Everybody understands this. We know that a team is better than an individual in accomplishing a task, and God has called us to do this together. I think it's more fun when we do it together. There's less stress when we do it together. We learn to cooperate together. See, when everybody does their part and and they do bit by bit by bit, we can get a whole lot more done for the kingdom when we're connected together like that. Some of you, as I look in your eyes, the reason I think you're so exhausted that you're on empty week after week is because you're trying to do this life in isolation by yourself, and God never asked you to do that. You're trying to do it by yourself. I love this thought I I read this week. Snowflakes are frail, but when enough of them stick together, they can stop traffic. We learned that this winter, didn't we? Just these silly little snowflakes that in and of themselves are just puny. They don't do much of anything. Boy, when they band together and enough of them fall, it can bring our city to a halt. It can stop everything. 
God is calling to us and saying, hey, you may not feel significant by yourself. The good news is I never called you to be by yourself. But when you band with the other brothers and sisters that I have placed you in community with, you can have a greater impact on a world around you. Individually, you and I can't do much. But corporately together, we can have a huge impact. Does your level of involvement here at Grace Point demonstrate your love and commitment to God's family? Or does it demonstrate more of your desire to be a consumer for Christ? Oh, that's going to make someone mad this week. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to love you with the truth. Does, does your involvement here at Grace Point, does it speak more about your commitment to giving in community? Or does it speak more about your desire to be a consumer of what you take in? Well, uh, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. When you walk into these walls, you say, well, what am I going to get today? If Pastor Edgar finally gets it right. Keith's here, good. Maybe he'll get it right. Maybe the person next to me will finally say hi to me this week. I've been coming ten weeks in a row, and they've not invited me over to their house one time. I'm not trying to make you feel silly for having thoughts like that. But friend, who, who are you reaching out to? How are you leading in worship? When you come into this place, are you ready to serve God regardless of what's on the, the song sheet? Or regardless of what the person around you is doing? Has God changed because of what is in the order of worship? No! He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You lift your heart. You lift your voice. You lift your hand in praise. And enter into community. Not as a consumer, but as one who is committed to community. Oh, that's good. Let's look at the third Experiencing life together. Galatians 6.2 says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. We need to care for one another. And when we do this, I'm talking about people who will defend one another, who will stand up for one another, who will protect one another, who will help each other stay on track with the Lord, who will watch each other's backside. They will not allow the enemy to do a sneak attack without speaking up for them. Philippians 2.4 says, look out for one another's interests, not just your own. If you want a counterculture verse, a verse that goes against the way of the world, this is it. In America, the general idea is to look out for yourself, your ambitions, your needs, your interests, your wants, your desires. Forget about everybody else, but this verse says, put yourself second and think about caring for someone else. Are you watching out for anybody's soul? Is there anybody in your life who you are trying to help stay on track spiritually? Is there anyone that you love enough to say, I'm not going to let you be discouraged today. I'm going to speak encouragement to you. Is there anybody that you say, I'm not going to let you drop out. I'm not going to let you, you not have the support that you need. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. You and I need to do that for one another. The fact is, we all have blind spots. We have things that we cannot see. If you have a taillight in your car that is out, most likely you're not going to know that it's out. Someone's going to have to say, hey, you have a taillight that's out. You don't always look at your taillight. It's out. Look at it. We need to help each other with that. You know, it's just like in your friendships. Hopefully your best friends don't let you walk around unzipped. They should say, hey, you're unzipped. Zip up. Friends, we're family here. Don't let me go through a whole service if I'm unzipped. Just stop and say, Pastor Brady, zip it up. Zip up. Zip up. Your close friends, when you go out to eat, they don't let you sit through the whole meal with food in your teeth. They just say, get that out of your teeth. Don't do that. 
When, when we love each other, we look out for one another. We say, hey, there's something going on there. You don't let your friend have something dangling from their nose and don't tell them the whole time. Don't ever do that to me. Just say, there's a bat in the cave. Get it out of there. Do something. Get rid of it. Well, we love each other in the context of family. We, we help each other out. Why would it not be anything similar? It should be just like that when we're committed to each other in the body of Christ. When you find a brother that you've earned the right with, men, and you're doing life with them, and you begin to notice maybe their eyes are wandering. It's not condescending. Say, hey, I love you too much. Bounce your eyes. Get it off of that. What are you thinking? Not out of judgment, not out of condemnation, not out of being holier than they are, but because they are your brother and you care for them. When they fall, it affects you, and you want to help each other along. Life is meant to be shared together. I want us to think about what is one step you and I could do to connect with one another. Connect with another believer at a deeper, genuine heart level. For some of you here today, it's not that you're not plugged into any Bible study or class or group here at Grace Point. but You attend, you're there, but maybe you've kept people at arm's length. What is it that you could do to foster a better environment for people to care for one another? How could you go to a deeper level and be transparent with them? That leads to the fourth one, cultivating community. James 3.18, the paraphrase here tells us, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Acts 2.4, they committed themselves. Another translation says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and life together the common meal and the prayers. It wasn't something that they just fell into. It just kind of happened. They just showed up and then all of a sudden they just, hey, we're in community together. We're caring for each other. No, community, caring for one another requires commitment. Caring takes commitment. You have to turn up the soil of your regular life and you have to work at loving somebody with your life. You have to work at allowing someone else to love you Now, friend, this isn't a suggestion in Scripture. It's a command. It's not just when you feel like it. It's not just for those who you feel like caring for. But it's a call that God has given to every single one of us. We are called to love each other with our life. Well, how can I cultivate today the characteristics of real community in my group or my classes? In closing, I want to share three simple thoughts. What it could look like. I want to suggest to you that there is no such thing as drive-through fast food community here at Grace Point in groups and classes. You say, well, Pastor Brady, I come to church and on Sunday morning, it's an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half in corporate worship, and then you're, you're asking me to go to another class for another hour, hour and a half. That's a lot of time. Friend, you cannot have community with one another in a fast food in and out relationship. Now, you can have consumerism. If it's just about getting what you want, you can come in, hear the word, get your fix, and leave. But to do life with somebody, it takes time. I want to suggest it will look like you investing your time with another brother or sister. Now, it's impossible for me and it's impossible for you to invest your time with every person in this room in this service. It's not possible, let alone everybody who calls Grace Point home. But it is possible with five or six or ten or twelve other men or women that you can begin to do life with and invest your time with each other.
adjusting your schedule, reordering your priorities to share, to listen, to support with your life. Next, I think it looks like accountability. It's not just being together for the sake of being together. But having an openness and a vulnerability to be held accountable. A desire to let iron sharpen iron and help each other live in obedience. To stop hiding and to look after somebody else. One of my favorite parts of my week is Thursday morning when I get with a group of men and the hiding begins to fall as we begin to share with one another what is really happening in our life. Also, not only time and accountability, I think it's support. It's the caring aspect when it comes out in supporting through trials, through struggles, through victories, through celebrations. Pastor X and myself and the rest of your pastoral team love the privilege of being there for you in the time of crisis, in the time of a hospital stay or in a loss of a loved one. And that is part of our job and we love to do that for you. As Pastor X is leading up the helm at that, he is so gifted in that. I love having him help us. But friends... We believe in the priesthood of all believers. Don't let Pastor Rex do all the loving for our church. Don't let me do all the loving for our church. Who is it that you're going to support with your life and you say, when you're sick, I'm going to be there. When you're in need, I'm going to be there. When you're hurting, I'm going to be there and walk through it with you. As our worship team comes and we get ready to close, final question. Have you honestly allowed someone to care for you this week? Have you genuinely cared for somebody else this week? See, to genuinely care for somebody is to love them with your life. I believe that we fall into one of two categories. Either someone who says, yeah, I wish this church would start caring for me. And to you, my brother, my sister, I want to say, who have you cared for? There's others who caring for someone else becomes very easy for you, but to let someone get close enough to you to really, really know who you are, that's a whole other thing. You'd rather be the one giving, but you're not so sure you want someone to get close enough to give to you. As we close today, I want to ask you to respond by just stating where you're at. If you are here today, and this isn't like a judgment statement or a value statement, this is just a fact. That right now you are currently involved in one of the classes or one of the groups, one of the Bible studies here at Grace Point. If that's you, just raise your hand real high. Just keep it raised up. If you're not, that's okay. Be honest. Keep your hand up. Don't don't be ashamed. Now, if you don't have your hand up, I want you to find your nearest person that has their hand up. Now, if they're tired and they're putting their hand down, then you just need to, like, support them or something. But keep, keep your hand up. If there is somebody around you who does not have their hand up. People have your hand up. I want you to look around. After I'm done praying, it is your job to help me love on them and say, why don't you come check out my class, my group? You can put your hands down. Now, here's the cool thing. Over the next three weeks together, it's my prayer that you get a lot of invitations if you're not connected in a group or class to check out somebody's class. But if by chance you have successfully position yourself in a seat that's far away from someone and nobody gets to ask you a question don't wait for them you check out a class come talk with me or one of the staff we'd love to help you find a class you can connect in would you stand with me as we pray father i thank you so much that you not only give us reason to celebrate 
to lift up your name and to celebrate the love you've given to us. But you have called us to practice. You've called us to participate in loving you and loving others with your love. So God, I pray that you would help us at Grace Point begin to embrace the strategy you're giving to us, that we celebrate you corporately, yes, but we are going to commit to caring for one one another, each other, in a smaller context of a class or a group or Bible study. So God, I ask that you take these words that I've shared this morning, penetrate through the fuzziness of the Tylenol sinus brain that I've got today, and let the truth of your principles be rooted deep in my brother and sister's heart today. Lord, I pray that you will whip away, rip away the whispers, the lies of the enemy that say, nobody here cares for you. There is no place for you. You've tried one too many times and it didn't work out. God, would you take those lies from the father of all lies, Satan himself, and would you replace it with the call of your sweet Holy Spirit saying, come in close. Commit yourself to a community and allow them to commit to you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your powerful name that we pray today. Amen and amen. One more time, if you're on your way to a class, you're going right now, raise your hand real high. If you don't have a class, follow one of these people. It may be better to tell them what you're doing first. They may be scared. But say, hey, can I go to your class? God bless you.